firstly, welcome, Henry. Um, this is our first Netkick podcast slash AMA. Um, I'm Alex. Uh, Phil's here as well. Henry's here. Henry Kessler, um, obviously a very, very, very good center back for the New England Revolution. Played at Virginia. Um, has had a very, very successful career so far. I'm a you know, Supporter Shield winner um, and back in college winning, you know, obviously the the ACC tournament. Um, so firstly, thank you, Henry, for being here. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate you listing off some of my accolades. Um, so no, no, I'm excited to uh, have this conversation. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I'm just going to firstly, you know, introduce you, obviously list some of your accolades and we'll definitely touch upon those more. Um, but you are a New York kid. Um, you know, you're from the city um, and you're actually from the city. Like you're not from Westchester. You're not from Long Island. Um, so you're from Manhattan. Um, so like, you know, kind of just talk, talk to us a little bit about like your path growing up um, really from like the get go from the very start. So like say four years, five years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So important distinction there. Um, a lot of people say they're from New York and like you said, they're, they're even from New Jersey. They're from upstate Long Island. It's really not New York city. So um, I'm very proud of the fact that I'm from New York city um, from Manhattan, grew up on the lower East side of Manhattan um, East Village. So um, it was an interesting upbringing. I think oftentimes people ask, like, you know, where did you end up playing? Because, you know, I grew up where there's buildings everywhere. And um, so there was fields by Con Ed, which is the power plant fields on piers. So you kind of had to be a little resourceful. But um, yeah, I think uh, the first time I got introduced to the game was um, I have two older sisters and they were playing. And um, I was kind of just at one of their practices and kicking on the side. And um, one of their coaches said, oh, like, he's not bad. Like, you know, how old is he? And I think I was either two or three. And this is my dad telling me this story. But, um, you know, just started dribbling through cones from there. But, um, yeah, that was kind of my introduction into the sport. And, uh, you know, New York has, has always played a part, whether it's, you know, like, I think um, out, you're, you're from New York, too, or no? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, from the Upper West Side, so just okay. other side of the okay. borough. <laughs> okay, got it, got it. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. You have to um, kind of adapt. There's a lot of people, so there's a lot of competition within the sport. Um, and I I probably I don't know if you agree with this. I'd probably say, other than basketball, it's the most common sport in New York. Um, so yeah, there's a lot totally. of people playing, a lot of people playing, um, which is great, um, but also makes it difficult. But um, in terms of just New York as the city, I think there's a like a certain grit that comes with being from the city, and um, that kind of translates into my game as a defender. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's a, a a good introduction into how New York has kind of molded me for the player that I am today. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with like the you know the soccer playing aspects. Um, there's definitely a lot of baseball fields by me. I'm up in on the Upper West Side, but in all honesty, like, I never really saw any baseball games go on on them. It was mostly, like, pick up football or pick up soccer. Um, yeah. Just to hang around this question a little bit longer, um, when did you start playing? Like, do you remember what age? And, like, how did you – or when did you realize – actually, more importantly, when did you realize when, um, like, soccer has 
become your passion like it became your love and like you started realizing you have this dream of becoming a professional player i think it's a really good question because i'm i'm just so grateful that i found what i was passionate about at such a young age because there are people that i meet today or like people that i've met in college who are still trying to figure that out and so i'm really grateful that i found this sport that i love so much and i'd probably say um man young i i started playing like on a travel team um at age seven or eight so so pretty early and as i explained before i was just kicking balls around before that so obviously was familiar with the sport before i joined any teams but um when i truly knew it was my pat i it's tough to say but maybe around 12 i think that's kind of when i fully committed to soccer so I grew up, I was playing every sport. I played soccer, tennis, basketball, obviously, you know, we talked about that. It's so common in New York. Baseball for a little bit. Um, and I, I remember at the age of 12, I was still playing basketball and soccer. And um, I kind of had to make a decision um, where to spend my time. And so I ended up picking soccer. And um, from there on out, only played soccer and kind of you know, and that's still what I do. So um, I would say at the age of 12, that's kind of where um, I found truly what my passion was. But obviously, I had a love of the game even before then. Yeah. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, so you, you know, you played for kickers. Um, and I'm, I'm only bringing this up because we actually we do have uh, some guys from kickers that are on, on you know, in the net kick platform. Um, and we've got some guys that actually played on the Red Bull platform as well, or sorry, played, excuse me, sorry, play for Red Bull that are also uh, on the platform. Um, you know, this was a long time ago, so it, I don't know if maybe you remember all of it, but like, what was that like playing for kickers? Um, I know because I played for Red Bull very, very briefly. Um, there was kind of like a recruitment process, a tryout process. This is very, very long ago. So like, it's all good if you don't remember any of this, but I'm just kind of curious because I'm sure you know, some of the guys on the platform, even guys that aren't from these teams would probably be interested in that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's been more than a decade for me now. Um, so um, I'll try to remember as much as I can. But um, I think, you know, and and when you guys sent me all these questions, I this I wrote this one down, but youth sports are so hard to navigate. And so I have to give my parents a lot of credit for that. But I just I think kickers was one of the uh, teams that was available. So at, it started as availability. And then I also played for uh, Dusk Downtown United Soccer Club. And um, then later, Chelsea Piers had a travel team too, and then went to Red Bull. So I, I was on a few teams, but I think just, I know you didn't ask for advice, but in terms of advice, the one thing I would say is get on a team where you're playing. And that's, that's the most important thing. You know, oftentimes for these youth soccer teams, you're paying to play. So, you know, your parents have to pay a certain amount to even have you on the team. And there's really no value in them paying for you to be on the bench. So wherever you play, it doesn't have to be the best team. Ideally, it's not the worst team, but you have to play. And so that's kind of, that's kind of my advice as, as far as that goes. And I don't really remember a ton um, playing for kickers. I remember some of my teammates because uh, I feel like a lot of guys, stuck with the sport so from my team from nine and ten um a lot of guys played in college and i feel like that's atypical you know i think people initially play for fun and then 
stop after middle school, high school, whatever. But a lot of guys followed through, played in college, D1 schools. Um, I'm not sure if there are any other pros from that team, but that in itself is uh, pretty impressive. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, I bounced around to, to a few teams. So my experience with each team was a little different, but um, I think each of those teams helped me in their own way. Just to, just to jump in real quick, you said you you mentioned that you still remember some of the guys that played on your like U nine U ten team. Um, are those some of the best memories that you have playing growing up? Is be, just being with your teammates and being with your friends? Because me personally, I think that's one of the best things that comes from playing team sports is just being around your teammates all the time. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Not not necessarily with that team, but in general, yes. Yeah. You know, uh, being with your teammates, the camaraderie that comes with you know, playing a team sport, I think is, is great. And um, like I, I said before, I loved playing tennis too. You know, I played a bunch of sports, but with those individual sports, I don't think you get that, that same team camaraderie, that bonding element, you know, traveling together, going to games, going to away games, you know, um, and then later staying in hotels together, whatever, um, doing stuff outside the field. Um, so I don't think you get that with the individual sports, but definitely with soccer, um, you get and so some of my fondest memories are spending time with teammates on and off the field. Um, I would say on some of the more recent teams that I played on, whether it was at Virginia or the Revs now, but um, for sure that's that's definitely the one of the things I enjoy the most. Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. Um, you know, just to stay on the you know the the New York topic a little bit more. Um, you know, being being a city kid as well. It's definitely something I struggled with, um, but, you know, I think it's helped me become a better person um, and also just, like, become, honestly, like, street smarter um, at being from New York. Um, but, like, how did you manage uh, growing up in the city, you know, taking taking high school classes? Um, also, I, where did you go to high school, by the way? I went to uh, Bard High School early college. Oh, you went to Bard? So, oh, oh, snap. Yeah. My cousin goes there. <laughs> Oh, um, really? yeah. I went to Beacon. Yeah. Okay, um, nice. Uh, yeah, but like, how did you manage high school, um, the college process, uh, like getting on trains every single day, uh, probably getting very little sleep and commuting a lot? Like, how did you manage that whole you know, New York City hustle? Um, I know, we, like, pretty much the exception of, I think, about 15 to 20 people, you know, in that kick, everyone's from New York City, or at least from the tri-state area. Um, so I think this is something that, you know, a lot of guys will relate to. Um, yeah. So like, how did you manage that? And, you know, how did that kind of success or set you up, you know, for the successes that you've had? For sure. It's just such a different experience. And I didn't really realize this until I got to college, but I, I remember getting to college and, um, Phil, I think you'll laugh at this, but I was like, you know, oh, oh I'm from New York and everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. Like such a big city. I'm like, where are you from? They're like, oh, a small town in Nova or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's just, it's just so different, you know? And I was yeah. just used to like all my friends being from New York and, you know, having a similar upbringing of uh, living in a big city. Um, and Alex, you touch on like some of the the grit and grind that goes on with living in a city and, you know, whether it's taking the subway to practice from a young age, I feel like even you know, just in general, like parents' standards, like they, as you get to like the younger kids, they kind of get less and less strict. Um, so by, I was, I have two older sisters, so I'm the third born, 
by the time it got to me and my brother, I feel like we were taking public transportation when we were nine, 10 and it, uh, and it wasn't a problem. Um, so, so we started taking the subway and the bus pretty young and, and did that to practice. Um, and then once I, once I joined Red Bull, you know, I think at a certain age group, you had to, um, leave the city to get to a, a quality team and, you know, it ended up being worth it for me, but that doesn't mean the commute wasn't a pain. So I would take multiple subways. I would take the L and then I would take um, the path train from 14th and 6th, I think it was, to Journal Square. And then I would switch trains to the other path train that went to Newark. And then I would get on Rutgers, the light rail. Newark. Rutgers, Newark. Yeah, I would get on the light rail from Newark Penn Station to Rutgers, Newark. And then I'd walk from that station to the field. So it wasn't easy getting to practice. Um, but that's where, you know, the Red Bull Academy trained. So I did what I had to do. Um, and, you know, it, I think it really made me independent and um, self-reliant. And it, uh, it also makes you um, spend your time wisely. So I was doing homework on the train when, when I could get a seat. Because on the way on the way out to practice, you know, that's when all the commuters from work are going home. Um, so I would never got a seat. But on the way back, sometimes you get a seat and then you could do some homework, do some studying. But, um, yeah, it wasn't easy. And um, so, you know, it kind of but it was beneficial in a way like, you know, the busier you are kind of the more wisely you spend your time. So there was no no time to dilly dally. And, um, yeah, I feel like it helped me in the end. Yeah, dude, Rutgers, Newark. I, I can't believe that. It's so funny. It's like, you know, uh, we don't know each other that well, but dude, that was my exact same commute. I just went from the bottom or from the top down. So I took the uh, the one to the two, three, then um, down to 14th Street, then got on the, the path train there. Um, and then, you know, obviously did the same from there. But brutal, yeah, no, brutal. Dude, yeah, it was not a fun commute. It was like, I think it was for you, it was like, yeah, probably four or five trains. It was about the same for me, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah, Phil, dude, this this was not no Columbus, Ohio. That's all I'm gonna say. Nah, man, I just straight drive, 35 minutes to practice. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so just moving on a little bit. Uh, so let's 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 touch upon like you know, uh, UVA and kind of actually really before that, like the college recruitment process. Um, this also was a long time ago. Um, but like, what do you remember of that? Like, what you know, did you have any coaches coming up to you? Did you reach out to coaches? um what was that kind of like uh you know when you're playing at, at the end of your academy years yeah for sure so I I didn't even touch on kind of high school I I kind of just cut off at middle school so after Red Bull Academy I joined an academy called Beachside which was in Connecticut and um I thought my commute to Red Bull was long and then I started commuting to Beachside which uh took me it took me two and a half hours each way to get there um which I I really don't know how I did it so you know, being in New York, you take the train pretty much everywhere. It's the, just the best way to travel. So again, took the train, took two trains to Grand Central to L and then the four, five, six um, to Grand Central and then got on the Metro North to Bridgeport. And then I would either walk from Bridgeport, which isn't the best city in Connecticut, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, or, or a teammate would pick me up and then bring me to uh, UB, U University of Bridgeport, which is where we, we would train. So that was just another um, brutal commute. But like I said, like same thing, you know, study on the train would help me, um, you know, really made me independent. Like, you know, I was bringing food on the train too. So eating whatever, whatever, you know, made it possible. Um, 
but so that that was through high school and the school that I went to Bard High School early college was very academically challenging for me I think for most people that went there um some people just amazing just can handle it with no problem I don't understand but um so that was challenging um but and, and it's a program where you finish your college finish your high school credits sorry in your first two years and then your last two years you're taking your associate's degree from Bard College so it was um it was very difficult and um but I think it, it did help me in the end because some of those trans uh, some of those credits were able to transfer to UVA um but as you mentioned the recruiting process so it was interesting for me so I had uh, a dad my dad went to Harvard and I feel like he really like was kind of pushing and both my parents, you know, very pushed academics strongly on me and I was a good student. Um, but, you know, in the end, I, I don't think I wanted to go that route. Um, and um, so, you know, I feel like Ivy League wasn't quite at the level that the ACC is. Um, I feel like that's probably the consensus opinion. Um, and right? yeah, yeah, soccer wise, soccer wise. Thank you, Phil. Um, no, academically, obviously, those schools are top. But, um, but, um, not, not that Virginia is bad, you know, Virginia is decent, still a pretty prestigious school, but, um, yeah. So soccer wise, I felt like there was a big difference there. So, um, you know, I, I nearly went to Yale, but, um, I felt like Virginia was the better school for me to pursue soccer. Um, so my experience with Virginia specifically was they saw me play, uh, when I was playing for Beachside at a, a winter showcase, Phil, I, and Alex, you probably both went to the the Lakewood Ranch, um, Sarasota. Sarasota, yeah, Sarasota, yeah. where you would play three or three or four games down there um, in a week. And so, uh, George actually told me the story. He said he was watching someone else, and um, I happened to be on that same field. And um, so I, I was on his, I got on his radar at that point. I wasn't on his radar before, and um, he reached out. You know, said. Um, we saw you play in your system, but we would like to see you play in our system. So he invited me to a camp with a couple teammates, um, Adon and Sean Martin, who uh, I played with at Beachside. And um, so we went to a camp. And then um, after the camp, we moved pretty quickly. So he said, yeah, you know, we like how you did at the camp in our system, you know, doing our drills and stuff. And um made me an offer and I think very shortly after that I accepted it and um, was happy to be headed to UVA but I'm making it sound so straightforward and it was anything but you know I feel like the Virginia exchange in itself was pretty straightforward but um, you know there was a lot of times where you don't know exactly what's going to unfold and you kind of you just need to like keep going and there are times when um, not necessarily doubt but times when you're like okay like when is a college going to reach out? You know, you have an idea of a school that you want to go to. Um, but the only thing I can say is that you need to keep playing and, and keep giving it your best. And hopefully, uh, you know, if you keep doing that, I bet that options will come your way eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, dude, that's, that's, uh, uh, so that's, that's great to hear. Um, and yeah, like so, uh, you know, now on to like the real, you know, knit and grit of UVA. So kind of like walk us through what that was like, um, you know, taking classes at obviously, you know, such a great university like University of Virginia. Um, obviously, the three of us have all been there and, uh, you know, feel currently there. Um, but, you know, I'm also just curious for my sake, like what it was like, you know, 
playing with George in that 2019 national championship run team. Like, uh, you know, um, you were obviously the integral part, if not, you know, one of the most integral parts of the team. Um, I, correct me if I'm wrong. You were a captain as well. I wasn't. I wasn't. So you it was, weren't. Uh, I wow. Wasn't, okay. I, I wasn't. Okay. Officially. I like that, Phil. But um, I, I looked at myself for sure as one of the leaders. I think <laughs> officially we had two captains, which were Joe and Robin. Does okay. that sound right, Phil? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. okay so yeah. I think that was Joe, which Joe Bell was uh, our midfield midfield and then robin afame funa um outside back mm -hmm. so yeah um i, I got that wrong i i, I honestly thought, I honestly thought <laughs> no no i honestly i wish you were right <laughs> but <laughs> but it just it was it wasn't official but um i like i said i still thought of myself as uh in that position and um yeah he definitely was, one of the leaders of the team honorary honorary i mean yeah, i appreciate it phil i appreciate it Dude, I, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, when I watched when I watched some of your games, I was like, you were definitely leading in the back. That's for sure. So, I was like, this guy's got to be one of the, one of the, you know one of the leaders on the team. Um, yeah. So you know, obviously, kind of veered away from the question a little bit, but dude, so what was it like being at Virginia, um, playing and you know taking classes there? Oh yeah, I'll start with freshman year, and I feel like uh, you know, and you guys can chime in too. But you're kind of just trying to find your bearings. You know, it's a new experience. For me, it was my first time living away from home. So um, there's just a lot of questions that you have off the field or that I had off the field, you know, calling my mom about this and that, not knowing um, simple things um, or things that didn't seem so simple, but were really simple. Um, obviously, navigating class. Um, for me personally, I feel like my high school was really difficult. So navigating school wasn't as hard. But, you know, there's just a lot of life things that go on, like living on your own, like um, you know, I didn't do laundry myself all the time at home, but like now laundry's all on you, stuff like that, you know, um, just little things like that, that you had to navigate freshman year, try to find your bearings, you know, like know where all your classes are. Um, and I just remember something that I was grateful that I did is I just like took the buses and I remember I messed them up like a few times, but then you like kind of found out where they went. You know, I feel like I took the um a bus that took me way out past rugby road and i was like well that's that's not where i meant to go but um <laughs> but it, it ended up being beneficial because you you navigate you find out where all the buses go and and that was helpful so and obviously the north line was the one we took the most but um you know so just trying to find my bearings i feel like that was freshman year and then in terms of on the field um trying to be as much a part as i could have been um you know i didn't start many games um, I came off the bench a lot, probably made like 15 appearances total, um, which for some people, you know, might think that's really good for me. I wasn't satisfied with that and wanted to be a starter on the team. Um, but I mean, Phil, you could probably ask George about this, but I must have been in his office every other week, you know, <laughs> talking about, um, you know, how I can get myself on the field, like what, what I can do differently, which positions I can play you know, anything. And one thing I'll say is, you know, being able to have those conversations with coaches is really important. And in my experience, usually they're pretty receptive. So if you go up to a coach and genuinely say, you know, like, what can I do to get myself on the field? I feel like usually they'll receive that well. And, you know, at the bare minimum, they know you're not happy with your situation right now. And that's sending the right message, you know, that you want to be playing. And then 
hopefully they're giving you good advice so you can improve your game and, and get yourself in a position where you're playing more. But I remember my freshman year, I subbed on left wing back, left center back, center center back, right center back, right wing back. So I was, I tried to make myself as versatile as possible um, to give myself the best chance to play. Um, but opportunities were limited. And, um, you know, that, that's that, I, you know, it's just, just the way it is. Um, but after that, I feel like I got more opportunities and, and I earned that. Um, and, uh, so that was, that was kind of freshman year. Um, but going into the spring of my freshman year, we had, um, a few guys leave, which, uh, opened up places for me to play. And so that spring kind of built into the summer and, you know, uh, George wanted us at, at those summer classes, which, you know, you're doing fitness with Peter. Peter's our, our fitness and strength guy. Um, and you're taking summer classes building into the fall, which is, is beneficial to be around the team and doing the lifts and good facilities, you know, stuff that you might not have at home. And then from there, went into the sophomore season um, rolling and it, it went well. You know, I started every game other than one game I was suspended for a red card. Um, and, uh, you know, we did well. Uh, I feel like we did even better than we did my freshman year, which was uh, a good sign. And um, so we, we didn't go quite as far as we wanted to. I think we lost in the round of 16 of the NCAA tournament. Um, but, you know, it was a good experience. And for me personally, playing more and, and being more involved with the team on the field um, was valuable. And kind of starting starting in that spring, I felt like, you know, because college, the turnover rate of players is so high that once you get to your junior season or in soccer, at least your um, the spring of your sophomore year, you're one of the older guys already. So, you know, I kind of thought of myself as a leader then because there's not too many guys older than you at that point and um, had a good spring season. That was the first year of the U.S. soccer did this initiative with college programs with a select college program. So several of them were ACC schools, but I feel like it was a good opportunity and we got to play good games and, and we did well in those games. And then that summer, I think I stayed for summer sessions one and two. Um, so took summer classes then and um, got some credits out of the way and put myself in a position to graduate after my junior season. Um, and so I, I didn't have to take like five classes during the fall, which is something that I, I didn't want to do because that's so time consuming during the season, you, you know, sometimes you're traveling, but, and then just kind of carry that momentum into the fall of uh, junior year. And, uh, you know, we did really well and I can expand on that, but, um, yeah, I'm just going to take a break with, I feel like I just gave you a lot. So, yeah. You talked about like being versatile as a player, uh, especially your first year, you played like multiple positions. Um, do you think that has helped you with your game today? And like, how important do you think that is for like younger players? To build it's really, it's, yeah, it's really important. It's really important. I feel like, you know, the more versatile you are, the more valuable you are. And, you know, you give yourself the best chance to be on the field. So I remember doing this training um, in Hoboken, New Jersey, where it was just, futsal on a basketball court me and my brother would go every Sunday night and um, stuff like that like I don't dribble often but just learning that technique and learning close control of the ball has for sure helped me in my development as a player so stuff like that 
you know, that you might not think helps, but it just helps you be a well-rounded player that can um, help in more than one way. Um, so for me, I, I view my roles in two parts. It, one is defending and then two is my play on the ball. And, you know, I feel like if you work on both, you kind of just make yourself all, all the more better um, and uh, more valuable and more versatile. So I, I highly suggest that for younger guys is work on all areas of your game, whether it's dribbling, passing, um, close control, your touch, um, juggle, please juggle. It's so important. Um, so yeah, no, it's really important. And I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Yeah. So just, you know, jumping back into the UVA stuff. Uh, so Henry, like talk us through the, you know, your junior season. Um, what, what, you know, what that was like, uh, obviously guys were very, very successful. Uh, yeah. So, you know, kind of what was going on there. Yeah. I had a good feeling about the team, you know, um, I think we did pretty well my sophomore year, not as well as we might've hoped to do but um, pretty well nonetheless. And that was kind of uh, maybe projected to be a down year for us, you know, losing a lot of guys, Edward, Edward Apoku, Christoph Kofi, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of big name guys that played big roles for us. We didn't have um, my sophomore year, but I feel like it, it enabled guys like myself to step up and kind of carry that into um, my junior year, which, which went so well. And I feel like, you know, Phil, correct me if I'm wrong, but you could tell, you could tell early. I feel like we had a good team in preseason. Um, I think we went undefeated in preseason and then we kind of just started rolling off wins. Like it was win after win after win. So I think, and we didn't concede either. Like no, we, we, never we, har we hardly got scored on. Um, so in the regular season, we played 16 games. We gave up five goals. <laughs> we get that like we gave up five goals in 16 games so so they never we I mean we had a good goalie Colin Shuttler behind me um so they and good defenders all around you know um and ended up having I'm gonna count Brett Halsey as well but ended up having four generation Adidas players from that team with me Daryl Joe and and Brett the next year um so I mean it was just a incredible squad um but I had a good feeling early and we kind of just carried that momentum. And I think once we didn't let teams score, we were always going to get a chance in the game eventually. And sometimes it was Daryl drawing a pen or, you know, cozy scoring from distance, whatever it was, you know, a lot of guys contributing. So the regular season went pretty smoothly. I remember there was one point where uh, the one game we lost during the regular season to, to pit two zero. And I kind of feel like it was, an important loss for us because, um, and it's never great to lose, but it was important. And uh, we'd rather lose in the regular season than in the postseason because you're done. So we, we lost and we talked about it after the game and we kind of felt like, you know, we were, I think we were number one or we were very high in the rankings and uh, teammate Cabral came in and he was like, you know, he, he gave this metaphor of this, uh, of the crocodile. He's like, you know what time, like the best time to kill a crocodile or was it a lion? It was a crocodile. It was a crocodile. The best time to kill a crocodile is after it's eaten. And he's like, in this metaphor right now, we've just eaten because we were killing teams, right? So we won maybe 14 out of 16 games. And, you know, we the lost losses. the pit. Yeah. 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 So um, at that point, you know, that loss kind of woke us up a little bit. And we just like, it was just like, look, this is like, we haven't achieved anything yet. Um, we need to make sure to keep pushing it. and we kind of carried that into the ACC tournament um, 
ended up winning the ACC tournament, got the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, got got a bye, which is so important, and then all the way to the final. In the final, I feel like we made some uncharacteristic mistakes um, and, you know, still made it to penalties. And unfortunately, we came one kick short, but it was a really great season, a lot to be proud of. Um, even to this day, I'm still disappointed we weren't natty champs, but um, no, that's why that's why Phil and, and the rest of the boys are going to win it this year. So, um, you know, they can they can redeem us. Yeah, hey, you, you guys got to beat UNC this weekend. Yeah, right? is it beat or tie? I don't think you have to beat them. No, you just have to tie them. We uh, we we need to beat them because oh, there's points behind us. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. But just to shout out the overall record from that year, we were 21, two and one. And one of those losses was in the championship. So unbelievable. That's insane. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So wait, you, you only had one? Did You tied one game? We tied we, one game. Bro, DC didn't uh, – DC. BC, uh, we played at Boston College, pissing rain. They didn't even have a shot on goal. We ended up tying that game. And we scored an own goal in that game. It was really, really unfortunate. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like – yeah, even that. I mean, even that saying something, you guys were way. like a brick yeah. wall. Yeah, dude, that's in, that's incredible. Um, okay, uh, you know, so after after your your career at UVA, you signed GA, which for you know everyone listening that stands for Generation Adidas. Um, you know, actually, I don't I don't know all too much about Generation Adidas. It's like yeah, I, I can explain it. Yeah, can you can you explain yeah. that? Yeah, so Generation Adidas is a is a program which enables underclassmen to go to the MLS draft. So the way the MLS draft is structured is they only let seniors go, which is strange. But like, you know, you see the NBA draft is like actually mostly freshmen, which is just different from soccer. But anyway, so only seniors can go to the MLS draft unless you're Generation Adidas. So they pick seven a year. Um, I was fortunate enough to be one of them. Daryl was also selected after that 2019 season. Joe was offered and he ended up declining and uh, went to go play in Norway. But it just gives you the opportunity to enter the draft if you're an underclassman, because otherwise you have to be a senior. So I, yeah, I took that offer. Um, I was made aware of it after the ACC tournament. Um, due to NCAA regulations, you're not allowed to sign a contract while you're in college, otherwise you're ineligible. So I signed it after the conclusion of the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, things started happening really fast. So um, signed that contract then. Um, but actually, before I even signed that contract, had agents reaching out to me, um, decided on my agent, then, you know, started negotiating the contract, signed that contract just before the year end. And then the MLS draft was January 9th of 2020. So things were moving really quickly, and the NCAA final was on December 16th or something like this, so 15th, 16th. So things moved really quickly after that, and um, and then, yeah, quickly signed that contract, moved into the draft. Um, I kind of had an idea of where I go, of where I might go. Um, my agent made me aware of teams that were interested. Um, Columbus called. Um, I... At pick eight, you know, I wasn't sure they weren't going to get there, and um, they ended up not getting there. Um, I had a call scheduled with Miami, and they never called me, so I won't forget that. Um, and um, 
but yeah, ended up going pick six to New England. And, uh, you know, I knew that was a possibility because Bruce Arena with his background at Virginia. Um, so he was familiar with me, had seen me play a bunch. Um, so I was very excited. And, um, you know, that's when my pro career started. Yeah, dude, that's first of all, thanks for explaining what GA is. Cause I actually, I didn't, I didn't, I thought like anyone could go in the draft. I didn't realize it was like a, it was only you know selected for uh, seniors. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's different than every other sport. I guess they just do that to kind of keep the quality high. Um, you know, I know the NBA now has like an age restriction where if, if you're 19 or maybe it's 18, you can't even enter the draft, even if you're probably good enough. So I think it's the MLS's way of just like assuring the quality of the draft. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, you know, after signing GA, you, like you said, you go to the refs um, and, you know, it's definitely a very unique uh, rookie year for, I mean, for one of two reasons. First is that obviously COVID hits. Um, and then secondly, uh, you got a lot of minutes in your rookie year. Um, which for, you know, for all the guys listening, that is incredibly rare. I mean, it's, it's probably rare in every sport, but especially in the MLS coming out of college to get minutes like that, that is incredibly rare. So, you know, talk us through, you know, kind of what it was like dealing with COVID and then, you know, you know, what it was like playing all these minutes and kind of really getting like thrown in the fire like that. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, good point because I think a lot of people, will compare it to sports that they do know. So the, the MLS draft is, it's not similar to, I keep bringing up the NBA, but yeah. these guys are like, you know, they're immediate starters that that doesn't happen in MLS. You know, most of the talent or a lot of the talent is from overseas. You know, I feel like a lot of the money goes to DPs where it's in, in the NBA, it's kind of a young man's league where these guys are coming in playing significant minutes right away. That's not the case. You could be, the number one pick and not start in MLS. That's, that's just how it works. That's the nature of it. So um, I wasn't quite sure what to expect when I got there, but I knew I was going to give it my all and kind of, you know, be confident. Um, Cause I, I had watched MLS games and I believed that I was good enough and kind of, you know, from there wanted to prove it. So got into preseason. Um, our first couple of weeks were in Foxborough and I felt like I was, I was showing well. And then from there we went to, um, LA for 10 days and played some scrimmages um I had you know I I think I kind of showed well already in Foxborough so maybe I was making my way up the chart but probably wasn't starting yet and then um one of my a teammate center back got hurt um which gave me the opportunity to start in those preseason games um which might not have happened otherwise so started against Galaxy started against Colorado in that preseason and then we go to Portland to finish up our preseason. And uh, by that point had kind of like, you know, established myself and gotten those reps and opportunities um, and, and did well in those final preseason, final three preseason games, and then flew back to Foxborough and then flew to Montreal to play the opener. And I was, I was starting. And uh, I remember one of my teammates saying to me during preseason saying like, Oh, like if you make the bench week one, like that would be really good. <laughs> And I was thinking, like, no, I don't want to be on the bench week one. Like, I want to start week one. You know, like, look, you can set your own standard, but don't tell me what's good. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll tell myself what's good. Yeah. Um, so I just, from the very from the very start, I knew that I wanted to start and uh, get as many minutes as possible. 
and start week one. And, and that's what I did. And, um, you know, unfortunately, after the second game of the season against Chicago, um, that the Wednesday or Thursday after that game, I know the NBA gets postponed for 30 days. And then the next day, Don Garber, like, calls our coach and is like, yeah, we're going to suspend for at least 30 days. Um, we'll see what happens. And obviously, no one knew what to expect, how long it was going to be. Um, but it was not ideal. You know, I just kind of got to um, Massachusetts, was unfamiliar with the area, and then couldn't really get familiar with it because we were all at home. And, um, yeah, so it wasn't ideal. But, you know, they made the best of our resources. So. They passed out bikes, brought us stationary bikes that we got at home. So we were able to work out on those. Um, and uh, then eventually we were brought back in towards the start of summer for individual training. So we had time slots and you would each be on your own half of a field. Um, and you would just drive up, train, drive back, not allowed in the facility whatsoever, all outside. And then eventually once we... Uh, got tested and were clear to play. Then we did some group activity before we went down to the MLS bubble in Orlando and the MLS back tournament. Wow. I had no, so it was literally like one person in each half. One person in each half. That was the regulations. Holy you could have shit. one person, one person per half. So they set up like backboards that you could pass off and mini goals that you could aim for. But a lot of it, I'm telling you, a lot of it was fitness. A lot of it was fitness. There was not a lot you could do. And there's only so much you could do individually, you know, is work on your technique, but you can't work on any decision-making, any speed of play stuff, you know, that stuff you need competition for. So I, I think I missed that. Um, and it's just difficult, like spending so much time indoors or isolated, you know, that's, I feel like that's just difficult for, for anyone to deal with, let alone like going into a new environment not really like making friends yet or not really like having rapport with some of your teammates. Um, so I felt like that was difficult. Um, and I was, I was living with uh, one of my teammates, Justin Rennix, and, um, but he was from the area. So you, if you were from the, the market, they said in market, um, if you were from the market, you could go home. New York was not in market. So I couldn't go home was also a hot spot. So they did not let me go there. You could apply to leave market. So we had a couple of guys apply to leave market. And uh, like one of my teammates, Jeff Caldwell, he went to uh, he went to Charlottesville. You know, he played at UVA, went to Charlottesville for a week. But I couldn't go to New York. So I was kind of stuck there. Justin went home. So it was just me. And kind of it's just like it wasn't good to be alone for so long. And um, so that was kind of that was not ideal. But um, so I was very happy to. Um, get back with the team and do team activity and stuff. And it's funny, a lot of my teammates didn't want to go to the bubble or like, you know, Oh, have families and they're going to leave their family for like a month. But for me, I was actually looking forward to it. Cause I could, you know, kind of be around the guys again, um, yeah. you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't so isolated. So, um, you know, we went to the MLS's back tournament, played three games, got out of our group. And then uh, we lost in the, uh, elimination game of the tournament to philly um and then uh and then flew back here flew back to foxborough got a uh, close to a week off and then the season resumed and as you said i was fortunate enough to get a lot of minutes and um you know did well enough to help us qualify for the playoffs and then we actually made the conference final that year so we weren't too far from uh 
MLS Cup. And, um, you know, that's the goal every year. So, you know, hopefully we can get to MLS Cup or back to the conference final at least sometime soon. Yeah, not uh, a bad of the year, yeah. Dude, yeah. What not a, bad. That's insane. Um, yeah, no, that, that's that's incredible. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, talk to us a bit about, you know, playing for Bruce Arena. Um, he's arguably the, you know, winningest, greatest American coach that there is. I think probably him and Bob Bradley, um, you know, definitely up there. Um, you have to talk to us a little bit about that. And then, you know, winning the Supporter Shield. Um, yeah, kind of like th- those moments. Yeah, so, you know, I felt like my rookie year went well, but and then the next year went even better. But that wasn't how it necessarily started. Um, so I was beginning of 2021, or sorry, end of 2020, um i got invited to my first national team camp we actually progressing to the conference final we actually uh were playing a game during that camp so i couldn't go but in january got another opportunity to play with the us so was at that camp in january um which was a great experience you know to get my first national team call up and uh play in that environment and there and i learned so much with greg uh burhalter you know it's just a different playing style than I had at New England. There's a lot of intricacies that we worked on. So that was great. And then went to um, Olympic qualifying. And that was another great experience in Mexico um, in a hotel. You couldn't leave the hotel um, due to COVID. And um, but so we were just playing games uh, and then coming back to our rooms, really, and uh, have meals together. But uh, it was a great experience for me, you know, being in a CONCACAF environment, playing games in Mexico. Um, and, uh, you know, the first game I didn't play, then I played the next three games and thought I did pretty well. And unfortunately, we fell uh, one game short of qualifying for the Olympics. Um, so that was kind of the first bummer that season. And then um, a few games in, uh, there was a, a center back who had gotten the reps during preseason um, when I was away with the U23s for Olympic qualifying. So he started over me for a few games and that's, you know, that, and that happens. That's, I think my coach called it rotation, but it was like a few too many games in a row to be rotation. So, you know, I was like, all right, like when, when am I getting back in the team? Um, and I had meetings with him, you know, and I'm, I'm not afraid to have difficult conversations. Um, but eventually I got back into the squad and you know, I feel like no matter what, we were just winning games. And it, it kind of, I mean, I don't want to compare it to that 2019 season because I feel like that was even more dominant. Obviously, the competition was a different level, but that was even more dominant. But we were finding ways to win, whether it was 1-0, 3-2. Um, we, were, we were winning. And there's MLS does this little chart where they show, like, a, it's a flow chart of what position you were in. And from weeks, like, five till the end of the season we were the top team in the east so it, it, it ended up not being close like we won the eastern conference by i think 20 points Jeez. um and and won the supporter shield by 12 so it uh it was obviously a really good year um but like i said we just found different ways to win and different guys came up clutch um and so and not only won the supporter shield, but also had the best MLS regular season in history. So that was something we were really proud of. Um, we got to the playoffs and, you know, I think we got outplayed, so I'm not going to make any excuses, but we had a first round bye, and there was an international break. So we didn't play a game for 21 days. 
for so, 21 yeah. days. That's an off season almost, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was difficult for guys to stay fit, stay locked in. We tried playing scrimmages, you know, in the stadium at night to like replicate the environment that we might have freezing yeah. cold, by the way. Um, but it, you know, I feel like that layoff was not beneficial for us and we were, uh, didn't play our best game against NYCFC and they, they beat us in penalties and ended up winning the whole thing. But, um, but it was a great year nonetheless. And, you know, to touch on Bruce arena, he is the winningest head coach in the MLS history. So it's, you know, it's an honor to play for him and, uh, something that he's also a Virginia guy, something that I didn't, uh, mention something I didn't know before playing for him is just his personality. He's actually so funny. Like you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it. Like just watching games or watching him on TV. Cause I feel like he's usually yelling at someone and it's often me, but, um, he's so funny and it's just, I, I can't describe some of his jokes. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got a great sense of humor and, um, he's a really good man manager and I feel like he gets the best out of his players. Dude, that's, that's awesome to hear. Um, when I was at when I was at LA last year, I was uh, Kenny Arena was our assistant. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I wouldn't even call this an interaction, but like, he recorded a video for I think it was like Bruce's birthday or something. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but he did it in the facility, and we were just all there watching him do it. It was like pretty awkward. <laughs> um, but that was, that was, was like, yeah. That was, like, my... Actually, actually, I saw it. It was for Bruce's seventieth birthday, and they yeah. like. Play, they played it in front of the team and it, it was a little awkward but it, it was sweet it was sweet. yeah no no it was great yeah no it was awesome um but yeah that's, that's my, like my only it's not even an interaction but that's, that's all i know about bruce besides you know that he that he wins a lot uh you mentioned the, the u23 national team um but then you know jumping forward a little bit you you know you get called into the gold cup squad um and you make your full senior debut in the final correct me if i'm wrong that's um, correct yeah and uh you know just talk us through what, what it was like being a part of that that roster um playing with the full team yeah there was man there's so much going on in 2021 that i forgot to mention that so in yeah in the middle of the year i think it was the summer we're about halfway through um i remember the initial gold cup roster comes out and i was on the preliminary roster but didn't make the initial roster and um, was disappointed, but um, understood that there was, you know, a lot of good MLS center backs. Um, you know, I think, by the way, two of whom might start in the World Cup for us. So yeah. um, just shows the quality of center backs in MLS, American center backs in MLS. Um, but Walker Zimmerman gets injured and um, I get called in to replace him. And, um, you know, it was, my, it was good to have another experience with the national team um and good to be in kind of just like you know january camp is different it's you know you're playing friendlies but good to be in a competitive tournament style environment that's completely different night and day difference between those two things so it was a really good experience for me um didn't get too much playing time other than you know two minutes in the final against mexico which was you know great to make my debut in a final against mexico and i think you know more than the performance itself was the the trust that the coach had in me to put me in, in, yeah. in that scenario. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think it, I didn't, let's be real. I didn't make a huge difference in that game, but um, I think it was the fact that, you know, Greg had had the trust in to put me in, in a situation like that up one zero holding the lead. Um, you know, that, that meant something. 
And uh, just being in that environment helped me because then in December, I get called in again to play against uh, a Bosnia. And um, this time I'm starting the game. So I make my first start in December. And that might not have happened if I didn't get the experience with Gold Cup. So even though I only got to play those few minutes in the Gold Cup tournament, um, I think it helped me and it translated to a start in December, which uh, we, we won and kept a clean sheet. So I think it, it, everything helps. You know, it's not just like you can't just isolate things and see, oh, how did that go? You know, it, it's all correlated. It's all related. It's all part of the process. Real, yeah. real quick question on that. Who, just a, a lighter question. Who is your like favorite teammate to play with on the national in the on the full national team? It's a good it's a good question. Um I think Kellen Acosta is like for LAFC he plays well and then for the national team he takes it up a notch. Yeah. Um and I, I think he's a great player either way, but for the national team I think he's got another level. His intensity is great and you know he plays as a six. So right in front of me I'm happy giving him the ball and letting him go to work. And then defensively, he does a lot of work in front of the center backs. So it's, he's very helpful on both sides of the ball. So I'd say Kellen Acosta. So let's hop into um, some of the mindset adversity questions. Um, the big overarching question is just like, you know, you've actually, you've had a very good career in terms of injuries, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and you knock, knock on wood too. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, I'm sure you still had obstacles. That, that's basically yeah. my question. So, you know, um, just talk us through some of the adversity, adversity that you went through. And these are not, also have to be injury related. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, it's either the be end of 2020 or beginning of 2021, you know, when, um, you weren't starting and it was like that rotation thing, you know, that Bruce was saying, um, that's, that's adversity. So, you know, talk us through, and this could even be back from your youth days, your college days, like how you how you manage that and how that's made you and shaped you into the player that you are. Yeah, I'll start with my most recent example, which is this past season. So I've, as you said, I've had good health through my career, which has, you know, I'm very thankful for and I take good care of my body. So it's it's not a coincidence, but nonetheless, still something I'm grateful for because there are freak accidents that I've uh, been fortunate enough to avoid. But um, so I pulled my hamstring in preseason and it was my it was the first time I really um, pulled a muscle or anything like that significantly, you know, to the point where I couldn't run and um, kind of just learning how my body responds to that, which is a big learning process for me because I was new to it. So I remember being told, oh, yeah, like, uh, you know, you got the MRI, your hamstring says grade one. It typically takes seven to 10 days. You should be good. After seven days, I was not feeling any better. So it's like whatever I was doing was not making it better, was not helping. Um, but I kind of felt like I had to fit in on this timeline, um, which did not help. So I feel like with injuries in general, my experience is that you kind of need to take it a day at a time and you can't just mold yourself to fit a model that someone else gave you. Um, so I was, you know, seven to 10 days. That's what multiple people told me is the average for a grade one strain, but my body responds differently. So it takes me longer to recover from that than maybe it takes other people, um, or shorter than other people, maybe. Um, so I remember not feeling good about that, but, you know, kind of pushed through it and then tore it again, not tore, pulled it again, um, towards the end of preseason. So that was the second time. 
and um, you know, then got a better um, recovery, took more time, but still was still wasn't ready. Played against FC Dallas, started against FC Dallas, pulled it right before halftime. So now I'm at three poles, and um, kind of felt like I was, you know, it was just infuriating because there are some guys that you know, and for the most part, everyone's very professional. But there are some guys that you know, they're not they're not doing as much recovery as I am. And they're feeling better than I am. And I'm just like, wondering, like, how does this add up? You know, I take good care of my body. And it's just not reflecting. And it's really frustrating. So it's not ideal. But, um, you know, I, I got a new regimen, a new activation regimen, which is just so important, which I highly recommend doing before training, is just making sure all your muscles are activated. So like, tensing them and like doing glute bridges and stuff like that, making sure my hamstrings are awake awake um before i start running and that kind of helped um so that was that was the most recent example of adversity that i faced um just because i hadn't really experienced um a significant injury before and um so you know my recovery process through that um was something that i had to learn about myself so it was a bit of self-discovery um and so that that was the most recent example but you touched on the example at the beginning of 2021 where um, you know, I wasn't quite sure why I wasn't in the lineup for a few games. It was three in a row. So I was like, all right, three in a row. That's like, that's more than rotation. And after the third one, I remember I started the next one, but then the next one after that, I wasn't starting. And then we were kind of alternating and, um, you kind of, kind of just have to stay after it, like, and, and let it sort itself out almost, you know, like I believed that I should have been starting and, um, you know, when you do get those opportunities, you got to make sure to prove it. Um, and that's not like trying to put too much pressure on yourself or anything, but um, you you definitely can overdo it. And like, just, I, I wouldn't let it get to you. That's the one thing, you know, whether it's the injuries or, you know, someone rotating in for you or even starting over you, don't let it get to you. And I remember I had a coach, I hated when he told me this, but it's been very valuable. Um, don't feel sorry for yourself. Do not feel sorry for yourself. That's the worst habit you can do. And instead of feeling sorry for yourself, do more. Get after it. Like if you know you're not starting the next day, maybe you can train a little bit more the day before the game or do more the day after the game because you didn't just play. Um, so, you know, don't feel sorry for yourself. Keep after it. And, you know, if you, if you do that, I think you should be in good shape. Yeah, dude, that, that's great to hear. Um, that's definitely advice that uh... – I'll personally take honestly um I've got I mean just being a goalie you know we've got to really wait our turn but yeah dude I've got like ways and ways away from playing um yeah no but dude that's that's awesome to hear um Phil do you want to like hop into like some of the the mindset and adversity questions um you can uh you talked about you know fighting for places and stuff like that uh can you talk a little bit more about like how competition has like pushed you or motivated you um in all aspects of all levels of growing up and, and playing youth soccer and into college and you know professionally how does that um help, help push you to become a better player yeah yeah there will always be competition so it, it's something that you know everyone needs to learn how to deal with um i will say the most the person i'm most competitive with is myself um so at the end of the day you know i think it's you can take things from other players and like learn things, but compare you to you, 
and make sure that you're improving from the player you were yesterday and, you know, hold yourself accountable, be tough on yourself, but, um, you know, you don't want to be so external. Um, you know, I think if you look internally first and look at what you can improve on and compete with yourself, I think, you know, that that's a great first step. Um, so that's something that I always try to do. Um, I always try to get better, look at myself, look at my weaknesses and be very competitive with myself and see what I can work on. Um, you know, I take a lot of pride in having a good left foot. I didn't always have a good left foot, um, but it's something that I've worked a lot on. And, um, you know, I, I think it's paid dividends, but, um, you know, I would say like you, you can use external motivation. You can use someone else doing well as motivation, but I think that's only temporary. What's going to last is internal motivation and the desire for you to become the best player that you can be. And, and that, that's the way I look at it. That's, that's my goal at the end of the day is, is be the best player that I can be. So I would say majority of the time I'm competing with myself. Yeah um yeah don't compare yourself basically to other to other players and 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 because everybody's really on their own path that's that's mm -hmm. great um that the left foot is one thing that i really like noticed about you when, when i came to school at uva it was it was something that you talked about earlier you know being an all-around player the, having a weak foot is something a lot of players don't have so um, even, even, look even at the pro level yeah like even had like I, i've got teammates with no no weak foot so I definitely think it's an asset that um, a lot of guys don't have and, and can separate you. And, and I appreciate you noticing that my left foot things are decent. So I appreciate that. That's high praise. Um, moving on. Um, how have you dealt with bad coaches, uh, bad teammates, or just bad situations where you don't always get along with, you know, who you're working with? Yeah. You know, I think I've been fortunate enough to uh, not have been involved in, in so many bad scenarios, but um I would say no matter what, you can always make the best of a bad scenario. So if it's a bad scenario, um, you know, you might not have a teammate that you get along with, but you can always make it better than what it is. And maybe you can't make it the best, but you can make it better than what it is currently. And so, you know, you, you have a teammate you don't get along with. Okay. Maybe you don't spend as much time with him outside the field, but on the field, you know, maybe you adjust your game, maybe not your game, but how you communicate to him. Or, you know, give him, a, give him a pass early. You know, if he's complaining that he's not getting the ball, you feel like he's not open, give him a pass early. And maybe then, then he's more quiet and stops bothering you about it. But, you know, I feel like no matter what, um, you can make a bad situation better. One thing that's not going to help is, is, I think, like, you know, just completely confronting it. I'm not saying shy away, but if, you know, you had a teammate that you're not getting along with, um, and all of a sudden you guys keep going after it, I think it's going to make both of you guys look bad. So um, that's, that, I don't think that's always the best answer. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, when push comes, look, I've been in my fair share of confrontations, so maybe I'm not the best person to say, um, but I, I think you can always make a bad situation better. Um, but, uh, you know, just be careful. Be careful with, with how you respond to certain certain scenarios yeah yeah um keep it professional like that's the that's the best the, the best piece of advice i think that i got mm -hmm. from that uh moving along um i know you kept a pretty strict diet you've always like since i've known you you've always been pretty professional in terms of your diet and, and your sleep and stuff like that 
has that improved at all moving up to the professional level level or has it changed or anything like that so yeah i would say like i was i started my nutritional education in college um whether that was joe bell like he taught me a lot so he taught me what i now think are basics but they were not basics to me back then which is like you want to have complex carbs not simple carbs like sugar and stuff like that um so having brown rice instead of white rice sweet potatoes another good example of a complex carb so having a lot of that stuff is always beneficial whole wheat pasta instead of white pasta stuff like that it's going to help because with simple carbs they burn off really quickly and complex carbs are going to last for hours so those are the ones you would prefer and UVA had had good resources so you know we had a nutritionist um Kelly was beneficial um so I I tried to learn as much as possible I've tried to take it up a notch um while I've been a pro so I through the revolution, I had a blood test done and it revealed to me what I was insufficient in like nutritionally. And it gave me a list of results and things, things that my body didn't process. So that's technically an allergy. So I learned that I was severely allergic to eggs like that's, and I had eggs every day. So, (laughs) so this was like valuable information to me. So then I cut out eggs out of my diet because my body didn't respond well. And the, the call that I had following the blood test was that you might not feel it immediately when you have this, but your body's not processing it. And that's why it's coming up in such a high concentration on your blood test is that your body is not processing this food. So I was listed as severely allergic to eggs. And he's like, you know, you might eat this. And then two days later, you're going to feel it. So stuff like that, you know, just trying to educate myself as much as possible. There was another example where I was low on B6, vitamin B6. So specifically vitamin B6, what does that do? It synthesizes, and I'm, I'm just getting a little technical here. It yeah. synthesizes tryptophan. What does tryptophan lead to? Tryptophan is related to serotonin. What is serotonin related to? Sleep and mood. And so now, oh, all of a sudden, like I'm sleeping better because I changed my diet. That's crazy to me. And like, you know, all these things are beneficial that you don't necessarily know. Um, so I would say that blood test took my diet to another level. Obviously I still do a lot of the same things like, you know, prefer brown rice and complex carbs and eat lean, um, no junk food. Um, like (laughs) I'm not going to say their names, but we, we had college teammates who had day before the game ritual, go to Cold Stone, go to five five guys, go to Chick-fil-A. Like eating garbage the day before, or sometimes the day of the game. I'm like, that's it's what crazy to me. So I I couldn't believe that. So no, I've eaten very clean, and um, I've tried to even get better in that regard. Yeah, uh, you talked about sleep a little bit. How many hours of sleep do you get, or do you try to get at night? Like when do you go to bed? When you wake up? Sleep is the best investment of your time. I'm telling you right now. There's so the amount of hours that we spend on our phones and spend on social media, I say we, but most people, um, you know, those hours are better, better off spent sleeping and try to stay off your phone 30 minutes, an hour if you can, before you go to sleep. So I typically go to sleep at 11 and I wake up at eight. And so that's, that's a really good. And like, I I have an aura ring, which tells me how long I actually sleep. And even through those nine hours, I only sleep eight hours. So if you're getting, for me at least, I'm like tend to be an hour shorter of time in bed versus time asleep. 
So this is something I'm very cognizant of. So if I'm going to sleep at midnight and waking up at seven, I really just got six hours of sleep, not seven. Um, so this is just, you know, something else that I'm watching out for. And I feel so much better when I sleep from 11 to eight than midnight to eight or one to eight, you know, getting much less sleep. And it just makes my whole day better. It makes my training session better. I'll have more energy. I won't need an afternoon nap, even though sometimes I do that anyways, just because I love to sleep. Um, but it's so beneficial. And if you cut out time on social media, so a habit that I have, which I think I find helpful is I just delete the apps every couple of days and then I'll re-download them, check, right? Because I feel like we're all so connected. Like even myself, I'm like, dude, I got to check. I got to check. Like I got to see what's going on. Um, so I'll download them every couple of days and I'll keep it for a day or two and then I'll delete it again. And then I won't check for a couple of days. And yeah. that saves so much time. Um, so I can't stress enough how, like, don't, don't waste your time. That's just like basically what I'm saying. But I feel like wasting time cuts into your sleep and sleep is so beneficial. Yeah, agreed. Um, do you have any, any type of superstition or pregame ritual um, that you do before games? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got a few. So um, I wear this same backpack. Um, it was like my first like luxury purchase. So when I signed my contract um, in 2020, so the, or the end of 2019, um, signed my first contract, I was really excited. A few months later, I bought myself an M MCM backpack. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wear that to every home game. And um, I, I just think it looks good, you know, makes me feel good. Um, and I put my right cleat on before my left but i tie my left cleat before i tie my right um so i've got a few things and um there are some other rituals that i have um like i need to have i mean these are just more like uh substance stuff but like i need to have the right stuff you know that like salt solution yeah um i gotta have that these the gator lights help too but um also there's like these gatorade gels like the prime gels yeah. You know, they're like, they're like, they're, they're pretty sugary, but like, I find that they help during games. So I have those too, but a few superstitions, not too many. I know some guys that are crazy about it and they'll go, they'll just, it's unbelievable. Like a shoe, how many times it hits your foot, like, a, like literally they're counting how many times their shoe hits their foot before they put it on. Um, it's just, it's a bit much, but no, I have a few superstitions and um, I don't think they're changing anytime soon. In terms of uh, leadership, you talked about um, you being a leader on our UVA 2019 team. How did you become such a good leader? And like, like, were you born with it? Uh, did you did you grow these attributes or traits? Uh, how do you what, what, what advice would you give somebody who is trying to be a better leader or like aspires to be one? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm flattered you think I'm a good leader, so I appreciate that. Um, I would say, you know, some of it's innate, like you're born with it, and then some of it is learned. So I think I have a bit of both. I think my parents are both good leaders and good examples for me. So I think I got some of that from them. And then some of it learning, you know, as you get older, I think you, especially in college, you know, where after your sophomore year, you're one of the older guys. And I know I touched on that before, but, you know, where you can take a bigger role in the team and really start to... Um, you know, develop leadership qualities. Um, but for me, something that I always tried to do is 
hold people to the standard that I hold myself. And I hold myself to a very high standard, but if you don't hold yourself to the same standard, then it becomes hypocritical really fast. So I would never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Um, so, you know, if I'm telling guys to be on time, I'm always on time, I'm always early, you know? So setting leading by example, I think is immense because if you, if you don't set the example, then you lose credibility, you lose integrity and people won't listen to you. So I think, you know, if you set the example, then people start to follow, you know, people, you gain people's respect. I think that's one thing you can do. Um, set the example, set the tone. And, uh, you know, from there, encourage guys and you, but hold people accountable as well. So there's definitely a balance between um, encouraging people and holding people accountable. I remember at some point during that 2019 season, I was fuming during a training because there was just plays that weren't being made that should be made and I was fuming and I remember coach Chulis pulling me aside and he was saying like you know like with these younger guys like you just like I, I understand like they should do better but you know you being an older guy maybe you can rephrase your reaction to one that will help them and you know there's one or two ways that you can look at that you can look at that and saying like well they should just do better you know, it's just like kind of what I was feeling initially, <laughs> but you can also try to help them through it. And I think there needs to be a balance of that. Like, okay, like make sure they know that they need to do better and that they yeah. can do better, but at the same time, try to help them through it. Don't just, you know, bully them. So I'd say there needs to be a balance. That makes sense. Um, so just quickly to go through uh, just some of the questions from the users. Um, yeah. So this is a question from Matt. Uh, I'm just going to say their name. So just this is just okay. Matt. Um, what is your process of psyching yourself up before a match? Um, slash, do you psych yourself up before a match? I don't. I don't need it. I, I'm very excited to play always. As a matter of fact, I'm the type of guy that needs to tone myself down. So quite the opposite to the point where, like, if if I'm psyching myself up more than I already am, um getting a red card or um doing something rash you know i remember um this is actually crazy in my sophomore year in the locker room we were listening to six nine before the game and i got a red card that game and i've never listened to six nine before a game again because it was just too much and for me that's probably not the only reason why it happened but maybe it's more than a coincidence so i need to kind of just like take a deep breath and you know um relax myself rather than psych myself up got it and then um his next question is what do you do after a game to decompress yeah so oftentimes i can't quite go to sleep after a game um so i'll either watch a movie i'm big on movies just because you don't want to be on your feet um so watch a movie um sometimes guys will be playing video games i'm trash so i don't play a lot but um, sometimes I do very, very infrequently. But those two things, usually a movie or a show. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I resort to. Got it. Um, and this is a question from Alex, not me, uh, but also <laughs> a goalkeeper. <laughs> um, so what is your relationship like with goalkeepers? Um, and how does a connection on and off the field affect the way you guys work together? Relationship with the keeper is so important. I would say off the field, maybe not so much, but on the field, it's immense. Um, my relationship with my keepers has always been good. I've always tried to 
keep it that way. Um, you know, you don't, you want to hold each other accountable, like I said earlier, but you don't want to kill each other. And there just needs to be really good communication. You need to be on the same page, um, you know, and your keeper sees everything. So he should be talking when you can't see what's behind you. And you're the next guy as a center back that you can see majority of the field. So you should be talking is a lot as well, but making sure there's a good line of communication between the two players. Mm. And then his, uh, his next question is, uh, who is the best player that you've trade slash played with? And then the best goalkeeper that you trade with, I think it can answer the last one, but I'm just not going to say anything, but yeah, who are the, the, the best players that you've played with? It's tough. Uh, man, that's tough. I, so people, when people have asked me best player that I've played against, I've said Tati Castellanos, um, forward for NYCFC. He now plays in La Liga for Girona. Um, best player that I've played with, I have to go Carlos Hill, um, the 2021 MVP. Um, you know, he does, he does things that are, uh, incredible so you know obviously very talented player um works really hard too and then the best goalie that i've played with i'm gonna go matt turner um yeah. you know i've I played with him on new england and with the national team and uh you know it's great to have a guy like that behind me yeah dude <laughs> that's exactly what i was thinking um yeah and then just the last user question uh from yusuf how do you motivate your teammates after losing really badly for example like five zero six zero um or how do you motivate them uh, during the match, like during a losing match? Um, I can't say I've ever experienced a loss like that. <laughs> but, you are very so. fortunate, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's tough to bounce back from five or six nil. Um, but I would say, you know, isolate it. So if you're, if you're losing five, six nil, I would say a lot of things went wrong, not just one thing. Um, so I would say, you know, don't let it get you down, but definitely learn from it. You know, if, if you have film of that game, watch the film, see what you guys can improve on, but don't beat yourself up. And because probably a lot of things went wrong. So usually, you know, um, some things might go right. Like you might not have your technique down that day. Fine. But like tactics work well, but if you're losing five, six, zero, probably a lot of things are going wrong. And it's not just on the players, it's also on the coaches. Um, but I would say, you know, reflect on it, but don't beat yourself up because it was probably just one of those horrible days where everything went wrong. Yeah. Um, and then just our, our last, like, trademark question, and this is the last question. Um, since, you know, soccer is mental, that's kind of our tagline. What are the best uh, two pieces of advice that you could give young, aspiring uh, soccer players? It's a great question. Um, first of all, I agree. It is mental. Mental part of the game is huge. Um, I would say every day, give it your all. Um, try your hardest. I remember uh, there was a time when I was playing on a team that wasn't so serious and like guys were, you know, like actually making fun of me for trying hard, which is crazy. But I would say give it your best every single day. And um, so that's one thing. And uh, I'm going to try to think of a second here. Um, but I'm, I'm just going to go with have fun because that's why we play the game. Um, you know, don't play it for anyone else, not your parents, not the fans. Play for yourself because, um, you know, that's, that's why we all play this game is because we love it. So give it your best every day and have fun.
Well, thank you so much, Henry. Um, thank you. You know, really appreciate, appreciate you just doing this. Um, yeah, and thanks for coming on board. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I had a great time.